0: And so I believe that there might be some adapting to do, even though the core of it all is something that we have already started working on, you know, things like video and stuff, (laughs) webinars. It's not something new. It's just thinking differently about how can you repurpose and redistribute it and what additional channels should you be looking at to, to serve that?
1: uh, knowledge. We all strive for more nowadays. More traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So, what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into
2: today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, AHS. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com slash awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO. So, I'm your host, George Fasiodis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Tanya Miranda. Tanya is currently working at Recruit, a collaborative recruitment software company, as the head of SEO, and previously worked as the content team lead for the UK market at Global Savings Group. She first stumbled onto SEO and content over seven years ago when she joined a Dutch startup and has since worked on international SEO content and content operations. She enjoys growing brands from the ground up and getting into the lines of users and customers to help solve their problems through valuable content. Tania, welcome.
0: Hi, thanks George. Thanks for having me.
2: So before we, you know, Start with the questions I have for you today. Um, can we like talk a bit about your background and what basically has brought you to where you are today? Because I I don't think it's you know or I let me put it differently, it would be interesting for for folks to to hear how can someone get you know to to the position you are today, leading the SEO efforts at a company like Recruiting.
0: Yes, sure. So I actually stumbled upon. SEO by chance. Uh, a few years ago, when I was fresh out of uni, you know, I was applying for jobs. I graduated in international business and management, so it was quite broad. Um yeah, I applied for this job at this uh, small Dutch affiliate marketing company. And it was for a role that was completely different to SEO. It was for a product management assistant role, something along those lines. And did the interviews and came out with the role of country manager managing seo and content for the malaysian website so from there i basically learned everything from just by doing you know the my manager at the co-founders back then were really hands-on so yeah i that's that's where i started and then eventually i also took over the singaporean website and we went through a merger and then I moved to the UK market and we worked with, you know, a couple of big publishers there, also still in the affiliate marketing discount code space. And then in May, 2020, I started working at Recruity and three and a bit years later, here I am today.
2: How was starting, um, you started at on May, 2020, right? How was started, you know, starting. Uh, at Recruiting pretty much a couple of months after, you know, COVID, uh, the COVID outbreak, outbreak started.
0: Yeah, it was a very interesting experience because it was the first time that we all essentially had to do things remotely, which was different to how it was before. And I have to say Recruiting did a fantastic job at making me feel very welcome despite me not really being physically there. So I was still having my interviews actually back in March. So before, you know, everything shut down. So I did manage to meet a few people face-to-face. But the whole onboarding experience, meeting the wider team, getting to know the actual company as well. I That's the one thing that they did very, very well that I'm very impressed by. And yeah, I think it went, it went well. Naturally, there were some... Moments of loneliness, but I mean, I got to know my colleagues just as I would if we were to meet each other physically or face to face. And so, yeah, I, I think it was, it went well.
2: For people who haven't heard of Recruity before yeah. uh, or, you know, haven't used your, your products, can you please share a few things about, uh, you know, the company and its products and who gets, who is a typical customer and who gets the most value?
0: Yes, of course. So, Recruiter is a collaborative hiring platform company. And we mainly help you with four core things so, applicant tracking, job promoting, uh, talent sourcing, and also employer branding. Um, and it's, yeah, it sits in a very user friendly platform. It enables you to do all of these things collaboratively. And I would say the people who get most use out of these products are recruiters, uh, HR managers, generalists and uh, HR directors, head of HRs, you know, uh, people along who use those titles uh, mainly because these are the main uh, people who are both buyers and users and so they would be getting use out of the product on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Uh, another persona I would say who would get a lot of use out of our products would also be hiring managers, especially those companies who engage in collaborative hiring. So. You engage in the team who is doing the hiring. You involve other uh, relevant colleagues within the hiring process. These are the people who would get the most use out of it because our tool enables you to, you know, to streamline all of this in one place. So you can see everyone's notes all in one place. It's very easy for you to see who's in the pipeline, who is moving forward. etc.
2: Do you think that uh, a bit irrelevant to this? podcast that do you think that hiring shouldn't be a collaborative effort, meaning that shouldn't be just a task for the hiring manager, just go out there and figure up, you know, figure things out yourself. There should be more people involved in the process.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think having a recruiter or a hiring manager, you know, depending on how the company is set up, but having that one person within the HR department who helps the hiring managers is... The way that it should be and hiring managers should be involved for sure, because based on my past experiences, if it's typically the recruiters or the HR managers who are doing the recruiting on their own, the job description, the job profile is not typically what the hiring manager would be looking for, because you are the hiring manager. You would know exactly what what you need, what you're looking for. And so it is crucial that the hiring managers are involved. And then I think it's also important for the candidates to also meet some of the other teams, uh, team members, especially those who they are collaborating with. Um, You know, I think this provides a nicer candidate experience and they get a better feel of who they're going to be working with, uh, whether they feel like they could be part of the team. Because if if you're just stuck with working with the recruiter or the HR manager, you are so isolated from the rest of your team. You don't really know what you're getting yourself into. In and that's not the nicest way to say it, but yeah, you just, you don't know who you're going to be working with. And in order for it to be a fit for both sides, you would want to meet these people beforehand and see how you get along and if this is the company that you want to work with.
2: do you use recruiting to hire people in your team?
0: Yes, I did.
2: Okay. Uh, so you have three years and Approximately two months uh, at Recruity. What are your yeah. biggest learning so far in terms of content and SEO?
0: Um, okay, so there are quite a few. Um, the first one I would say is that localized content is extremely important. It is not enough to just have translated content, especially when you're working with multiple languages. Each of those regions, yeah, let's say personas and the language in itself is is important Um, and also I would say that we have come across in the past when things used to be translated that we would get feedback that says you know this is meant to be German or French content yet it's not really written in the right way so users um, and prospects do take notice of those things and so yeah localized content is extremely important messaging is not a one-size-fits-all solution and i think this is also where localization comes into play again you know just because yeah one set of messaging works in the in a certain market it doesn't mean that will work in the other even if your product have uh has same icps they might not have the same pain points even though generally the job to be done is the same but if you want to trickle down into the individual pain points it might not be so you can't expect that yeah one messaging is going to be the same it's going to work for other uh regions or markets um speaking of jobs to be done jobs to be done content in combination with seo really does work wonders for conversions uh when we started doing that we saw really nice uplift in or conversion because it, it, it just works well. Um, sometimes simple, unsexy SEO strategies just works. You don't always have to be doing things that are outside of the box. That's not to say you should never do it. You should always test and experiment. But yeah, sometimes the simple stuff, they just work. Um, let me see. Yeah, I would say those would be the main things, the main learning
2: back in the way now what about challenges
0: oh challenges um getting into the minds of prospects and also customers is quite challenging i'll speak from the from the prospects or use yeah prospects perspectives or readers is that again it's not a one size fit all solution because just be- because just because it worked with one specific region, the way that you did things, it doesn't mean that it works with another region. And so finding all of that information out can be quite tricky. So, you know, naturally, there are many ways to do it with interviews, with, with surveys, but I think people underestimate how much of a challenge it is to actually get people to talk to you because, you know, people have their own lives. They might be wondering, well, why should I spend my time talking to you and Even though there are incentives involved, it might not always be the easiest. And so breaking that down and really trying to understand what actually you want out of these conversations with prospects or customers, is a challenge in itself. And also getting those information that's actually going to help you is also a challenge in itself. So even though, um yeah, we have seen improvements in the way that we are doing things. There's still definitely some stuff where I'm like, I still don't understand this and I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. So that's definitely um, a big challenge. And also, yeah, different markets, they have different approaches to things. They like different things. They buy differently. They consume content differently. And so really just getting to the bottom of that, I would say is one of the biggest challenges
2: not many people talk about that because like we we all kind of talk about the importance of like talking to to your customers to inform your economy strategy and they will you know they are the ultimate ultimate source of truth and so on but no one talks about how difficult it actually is to you know to get them to talk to you right because as you said like they are busy they have their own lives they have so many things going on so I think it's it's difficult, and maybe it's also incentives aside. I I would like to see more content online on how to actually like get them to talk to you, right? Um yep. Because okay, you can find methodologies and different ways of structuring an interview with with customers, but you know, like how do you actually get them in the call, right? Um. Mm-hmm. Now this is a very opinionated field, and you know every person has their own way of like doing things which is totally acceptable as long as it's something you know ethical and not something that would like harm uh, let's say a brand or a company and and so on and so forth and other people's lives what are some misconceptions around SEO that you have identified and that you know people kind of can agree uh, that this is how things are, or that people have a very specific notion on how things are, and this may be a bit distorted in terms of like you know uh, how close it is to reality.
0: Uh, yeah. So misconceptions about SEO, uh, I would say one of the biggest ones that I still see from marketers, but also from uh, SEOs in general, is that people still think that it's a very siloed aspect of marketing when in reality it does comprise of aspects of product marketing, content marketing, uh, branding, and CRO. And it's just, it's no longer a thing on its own let, as it was maybe, yeah, 10 years ago. And this misconception, I think if it's not really handled well in companies or let's say in the marketing industry, it does put SEOs in a box where people still think that right. We want to grow traffic. We want to have this many keywords in position one. We want to have this many backlinks. And so SEOs, please do it without really understanding why in the first place would you want that and how does that relate to your business, uh, business goals or revenue goals. And so if that is the way that people see it, then yeah, you are being put into a box and the things that you do are just very, I want to go as far as to say meaningless. (laughs) You know, people will still think like, okay, all you have to do is like a seal, an article, and then it's going to to get to the top place. People think that you're going to be putting links here and there, and then that's going to get you this many backlinks. So yeah, that's definitely a misconception. And I think People do need to understand, and this is, of course, my view, although I think many people would also agree, but it comprises of aspects of product marketing, content marketing, uh, brand, but also CRO to make, you know, a complete strategy or to make a complete thing work. And I think the more people realize this within marketing teams, the stronger your your strategy can be, the stronger your collaboration can be because otherwise, yeah, like I said before, you would just be put into a box and you're not sh- able to showcase your, um, I don't know, your, your specialty or what you can do with it.
2: The thing though is that, you know, like this takes us from one dimension, like SEO is being like just one dimension to all these different dimensions. The problem I see here is like, how do you communicate that internally and get all the buy-in you need to execute um, on strategies that are multi-dimensional and not just like, you know, one thing, SEO, right?
0: Yeah, no, actually that's a good question. And I would add that to my previous answer about those challenges, which is indeed getting buy-in or uh, making people understand why those aspects of their specialties are also important to us. Um, I mean, I I don't have a perfect answer for this personally, also learning through this journey myself, but breaking things down, I feel helps a lot. So I'll use the product marketing aspect as an example, which is, you know, for me, sure, SEO's goal or used to be goal is that you want gross in terms of, you know, organic traffic, you want people to see your content. But the game or the way that people now digest content is so different. They understand what is a generic SEO article. And I'm saying this as in in the general public, like when I'm going through Reddit threads and I see people talking about like, oh yeah, articles on Google are now so crap because it's just generic things, people are aware. So you need to showcase your value in other ways. And um, from the, actually, yeah, for the product side of things, but also from the educational side of things, product marketing has a lot of these information, but also the product teams where they have done the research. They've looked into, yeah, what do customers want? What do prospects want? Why do they want it? Why are we building this specific feature or product to satisfy those requests or needs? And, you know, using that information helps us in our content, which will serve as enablement, which can also serve as retention, especially if you're writing specifically about the products in relation to a job to be done, for example, and we cannot find that information anywhere else. SEO tools can also can only do so much. You know, sure, I can find out what are we ranking for or what are people searching for? And that is still great. But at the end of the day, you're still going to want information that targets your ICP's pain points so that you can tug their little heartstring and get through to them. Um, and so I would say, yeah, maybe making it as clear as possible or really breaking it down why that's important will help a lot and you know likewise with CRO at the end of the day if you want people to be on your website reading your content um you would want to make sure that website is i don't know made for for convergence you want the copy to be again to be tugging your heartstrings you also ux is another thing you will want your website to be user friendly so that they don't go onto your website and be like, what the hell is this? But rather, okay, the information is broken down nicely and easy to digest. And so, yeah, I would say still a bit of a challenge, but breaking it down and making it very clear how their specialties and their knowledge can benefit us is a good starting point to try to get buy-in.
2: Let me ask you, you mentioned Reddit and like the fact that people nowadays may be looking for information, specific information on a like something that, you know, they're interested in or a problem. They may be facing on Reddit and other, you know, similar websites. I know Quora maybe, um, how can we fight that back? The fact that content in many cases, the content created for a search audience in many cases feels sort of like plastic, you know, it has no soul in it meaning that you know it's optimized for 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 algorithms and and that's all
0: um i think that is a very tricky one i don't think there is one answer as to how can we make sure that content is not soulless Uh, Just because I think many other industries, especially those who are trying to get a quick buck out of it, will do those types of contests, try to rank, you know, specifically maybe with AI content, they just want to get a whole bunch of things out there and, like I said, make a quick buck or two and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Um, But if we're talking, you know, from the SaaS perspective, I think... First and foremost, it is important to make people understand that having your generic shallow plastic content no longer works anymore. But I can understand that's also difficult when you do see that these types of content still get clicks, And so you think it's working. So I guess it ties back to what I said earlier, where, you know, if you're knowledge or what people think of SEO is limited to I get clicks and therefore I win or I get this piece of traffic and therefore I win then I don't think that problems ever solved so I think you do need someone to say listen it's great that we do get these organic traffic obviously if you're growing something from the bottom up you need that you want that that's how you're that's how it's going to help with your branding as well but the sooner you understand that your content serves a purpose and that purpose could just be education. That purpose could be um, uh, conversion. Whatever that purpose is, the sooner you can better think of how you're going to capture your user's attention and work towards that and really understand that people are sick or seeing generic things, and which is probably also why a lot of people are like flocking to uh, communities, right? Like LinkedIn and yeah, maybe you've Reddit and Quora, perhaps if p- certain, uh, industries are still big on that because they don't want to see the same generic stuff.
2: I agree with you. Um, so the, the elements you mentioned earlier, product marketing, content marketing, um, CRO, and I may be missing one, um, are these the... Rining. Uh, and brand, sorry. Yeah. Um, are these the four elements that kind of, uh, the, the four pillars, let's say, of your SEO strategy?
0: Um, yes, I would say it's definitely a mix of those for sure.
2: Okay. And where, like, where do you mostly focus your your efforts on? Um, is it just, you know, um, identifying opportunities for, for new content, right? uh, and trying to, to have an overlap between content for a search audience and content that, that's mainly serving another purpose, like educating our audience, mm-hmm. or is it, you know, um, like going after, uh, opportunities in other languages, mm-hmm. in general, an overview of your, of your strategy.
0: Sure. So at this moment, I would say it's more towards, um, sorry, less about the educational aspects, which I'll go into in a bit after this, and more about helping people with what they need to do, helping and give them a solution to a problem that they are currently going through. Just because when I first started, that was when I focused a lot more on the education part of it, where we're still growing recruiting. And now a few years later in all markets, I would say we have gotten better from the brand recognition sort of things. And we wanted to focus less on pumping out new content for education purposes, but rather just seeing, yeah, where exactly can we provide value and working more on optimizations, uh, you know, consolidating content that no longer serves us, making sure that what we have is valuable. I mean, that is a process in itself. Again, not saying that everything is perfect, but that's the the philosophy and what we're doing. And in terms of how we're doing it in other, or sorry, in international markets, um, yeah, definitely a bit more the same as the global markets or the English markets. Uh, but I would say that there was much more of an opportunity on the educational content side of things, because when I was doing the French and German content and I was doing research on yeah, CERB competitors, but also general competitors, content was just not good. And so there was an opportunity to really optimize our content according to uh, topics that were relevant to us and our product in addition to... How do I say this? Bringing in what has worked for the other market into the international content. Um, I know what I said before was that localized content is important, and I still stand by that. But what I noticed was that the search—how uh, do I say this—the search behavior of people in the German and French uh, related countries are so different from English speaking countries in that they don't tend to use search engines as much as we do in the English-speaking world. So when I was first doing my research, just using the SEO tools, it was very vague. There was not much that I could get out of it. And so I thought, okay, let's say we have a topic on um, recruitment strategies. Usually what you will find on the SERPs would be a very, very short listicle of here are five recruitment strategies and there's no it was very shallow just like we talked about so then because we had done the research for the english-speaking markets you know we also have recruiters internally that we could ask for uh, these types of things we kind of mixed all of this information for the german and french markets make sure it's localized so it was you know written by germans i worked with the local content marketers as well to make sure that the briefs and everything made sense and those types of content, those educational types of content, worked extremely well. And that was how we were able to grow the French and German blogs substantially. And that method of, yeah, optimization and consolidation and just understanding what can we borrow from the English blog that has worked well, uh, yeah, just served us really well. And then further along that, you know, we started utilizing um internal resources about our, about, about products, about our customers and their pains, et cetera. And we see that those types of things also work really well. So as long as we're targeting people with what they want and the content that we provide is valuable, even if it means it's quite long, especially our German content, if you look at our blogs, it's really, really hefty. Uh, people do read it like based on, you know, if you put a heat map on it, just to understand up to where people read. And they do seem to be engaging with it, so yeah.
2: May I ask why? I mean, why do you think this happens? Because if you take a look at screen recordings from, like, let's say your 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 blog posts, I assume in the US and maybe other English speaking mar- uh, markets uh, and countries, why why experience is that you know people don't actually read blog posts, right? They just skim yeah. through the page. That's it. But why? But this is very, very interesting observation, I guess. Do you have any like idea why this this may be happening? Why do people in German actually go through a blog post and they, they, they read it?
0: I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like my, my guess is that maybe they. Didn't expect to find something that answered the questions, and they and therefore they actually take the time to read it. And you know, the ones that didn't include uh, information that we got from you know like customer facing teams or internal um, internal resources, we still tried to answer it as detailed as we could, as you would think. Someone would think of it logically, like, you know, if they're talking about recruitment strategies, you know, what are the logical things that you want to think about? It's not likely just the top five recruitment strategies. You probably want to know how do you go about doing it? Like, what other considerations do you need? Because if you just read something that says these are the five things you have to do, you're still going to be lost. And maybe. I don't know, maybe they just don't really know what to search for or they're not bothered or they think this is it. And so that's why they continue reading it. Also, I'm not saying they mean everything, by the way. I'm just saying compared to our English blogs, I see that they do read a bit more and they engage with it a bit more. Like if we put banners uh, that leads to, for example, checklists or templates or to a different blog, even if it's like midway, I do see that those are being clicked. So they, they do go through it. And so I think if you show that your content is valuable and it does serve a purpose to them, then they're more likely to stick around but I acknowledge that this is definitely not the case and I agree with you I think most people are like oh my god such a long ass blog blog post I'm not gonna read it and I know you should always never see yourself as a customer but I myself don't read as much but there are definitely a few in the industry where there's like marketing seo content that I really take the time. Because some of them are long, but they're extremely valuable. It helps me in my job, and I would read from top to bottom. So, I would assume the same thing applies.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, there are cases, obviously, where you, you're you going to read the whole piece. um, But that's a very interesting observation, regardless of, like, why? Uh, what drives it, right? Now, com is a very big website. Can you speak about uh, crawlability and indexation and whether you you ever had any issues getting your content crawled and indexed after, of course, being discovered?
0: Yeah. Um, Prior to our migration, yes. There were some issues there and it was only really after the migration that we noticed that we had less of this problem and something to note from before the migration was that I was predominantly working on the blog, blogs back then, and so mm-hmm. the way that things were set up didn't make it easy for me to touch like the homepage and the general website. And so a lot of that left was left untouched until I started working on the migration, and then past that, and so there wasn't much that I could do there as well. So even if I wanted to update the copy or content and then want to get it crawled, there was not much that I can do. But no, after migration, we saw that we had less of this issue. And naturally, if there were some pages which were important to us that we wanted it to be crawled and indexed, then we would just uh, do it manually. But we've never had an issue with that not working. And if there were some pages where we saw, okay, this is not really, yeah, being crawled or being indexed, if it wasn't super important, it wasn't something that we concerned ourselves with. So as long as the most important stuff were being found, then
2: we were happy. You mentioned a migration. Can you speak to that a bit? I mean, how was that experience and any learnings from this experience that you can share with us?
0: Yeah, um, so it was definitely a very intense uh, experience. I think it was really the one year where I dove very deep into Tech SEO. Um, it was eye-opening just how much goes into it. And so respect to all of the Tech SEO specialists who do this on a regular basis. That's the big thing. I don't think I could. Um, yeah, there's a lot of nitty gritty details that I think are super important when it comes to migration that is very essential to to do if you wanted to get it right. Uh, we actually worked with a really great consultant on it. His name is Lukas She's a Lesney. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, and he helps us through it. So, you know, I, me and my team cannot take the credit for all of it because he helped us through a lot of it. Um, So I would say having a technical SEO consultant who knows a thing or two about migrations is extremely important. Um, Our website setup was a little bit complicated. You know, we were migrating the uh, CMS and then There was also a lot of localization that we need to take into account because that's really big for us so finding a cms that matches with a localization tool that does exactly what we need to do was quite a challenge Uh, a lot of people were involved in it and so yeah i would say it is quite intense but we made it uh one thing i would say that helped a lot was Really making sure that all of your redirects are in place. Like I said, all the gritty details, make sure that they are set up properly. The redirects, I would say, was one of my biggest fear because our blog before the migration were the ones that were bringing in all the organic traffic. So I was really scared that we were going to lose that and then our organic traffic is going to tank. Uh, so the amount of checks that I did on that and we have thousands of um of urls right so that was quite a challenge and not to mention we also changed our blog structure so it wasn't as easy so it's like really when going through every single one making sure that all of the different languages was pointed towards the correct new structure and make sure that they're pointing towards the correct um yeah landing page or blog articles especially because a lot of the French words and English words were the same. Maybe not a lot, but there were a few. So Uh, an eye for detail is very important there. Um, Let me see. Um, A big learning, I would say, from that is to not do a migration and a redesign at the same time, because that's what we did. Uh, We had a timeline to do that within a few months. And then, let's say, a couple months, and we were like, this is not happening and then it took us nearly a year and I mean, we did it and it was great, but it was a lot. And to anyone who's ever considering doing both, I would say choose to do one and then the other, but never together because you, you're you going to have multiple people from the same discipline working on two massive things at once and uh, it's quite tricky. But yeah, I mean, everything went well. I'm very happy with it. Our results from the migration was amazing and we actually started seeing things that were never ranking before started ranking uh really high all of a sudden and kept climbing uh throughout the year i mean we did that december 2021 what are we july 2023 so it just kept climbing so yeah i think it was a very interesting experience
2: okay um i would like to sit here a bit and discuss uh AI content, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on AI content?
0: Um, I think it will not take our jobs away, or support what I think it can serve as a good help for, if you have a creative block you want to write, but I don't think it is what you should be focusing on if you actually want something out of your content. Um, You know, I've tested a couple of here and there, and I've also seen what people have said to be AI content. And for some of them, I think it's quite good, although I don't know if they edited those articles, but. At the end of the day, I think it's going to be quite generic and it's going to be the same as what SEO, sorry, what SEO content is. Um, like I said, I think it can serve some good purposes, but it's not personally a strategy that I would implement, uh, where I would work.
2: I agree. And, uh. The one word I will pick from your answer is focus because I see us very often like getting this uh you know Siny Object syndrome and uh Yeah. Like shifting our focus so easily to something new that's not validated. We we don't know how this will like evolve and like yeah. be in the future, right? And so easily leave all the basic stuff that not actually, work right now, right? Yeah, I'm not saying that we shouldn't change our approach and like level every level up in every aspect of what we do. Yeah, but I don't think that AI content is, is going to help us to that achieve that, right? Yeah, um, I agree. While right now we see companies that like they, they they achieve great results just by focusing on the on the basics, and I, and I actually had a discussion with the uh, head of course uh from one of the companies we work with and and she's like very fast-moving guy very disciplined very like results oriented and so on and so forth and so i was surprised when she told me that i'm not you know first of all i'm not touching this stuff and second it's the you know the greatest distraction for like my competitors because everyone is trying to figure like ways of leveraging ai content or anything like that right yeah. now and I'm keep winning by focusing on the basics, the things that they oversee right now. I know, do you like, do you subscribe to that? Uh, sorry, do I subscribe to what? Like, do you, do you agree with, with that yes. in general? What, what are your thoughts?
0: No, I completely agree with you a hundred percent. Um, you know, it echoes back when I said earlier, which is sometimes the really simple, unsexy basics are what's going to help you win. It's just how... Exactly. Are you going to, yeah, implement those strategies, right? And I also agree with you that we do have this, uh, what do you say, shiny object syndrome where sometimes when something new comes out, everyone jumps on it. And I have to say, my LinkedIn was flooded with, you know, gpt stuff. And then the AI stuff, and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I get it. Like to some extent it can help, but it definitely shouldn't be the case where you should stop everything that you're doing. And implement something that is so new and just based on what some people on LinkedIn are saying. Not to discredit the successes that people have uh, achieved with it, because I have seen some very impressive stuff. But the point is that, yeah, you should take a step back and see, hey, how can this help me? How can I implement it in my day-to-day? As opposed to, you know, stopping the brace and being like, right, everything that we're doing right now is not use, not useful anymore. We need to go straight for AI content because that's exactly what everyone's
2: doing. Okay. Um, at the same time, there are some, and this will be my, you know, second to last question, uh, at the same time though, we have some changes happening right now in terms of search, right? And of course, at the time of this recording, it's, you know, uh, July 5th, 2023. (laughs) We don't know exactly how, like the public version of uh, Google's search generative experience, SD will look like. But just from from the outlook of it, it seems that it's a it's a new experience, redesigned or like conversations and and so on. How do you think this will affect what we do today? And how do you see that kind of being integrated into Um, like the, the journey that people have for SaaS companies, um, one of, like a very big part of it is still organic search, right? Um, so I guess my question is like thoughts on SGE and how do you think this will affect what we do in terms of SEO?
0: Yeah. So my thoughts on SGE so far is that it seems like it still has a lot of work to do. I managed to play around with it a little bit, tested it on some key things that, you know, people would, would search for that we're ranking for or not yet ranking for to get a better understanding of what SCGE is serving uh, users. And yeah, like I said, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. I so far did not find it as useful as Google probably would have wanted me to or would have wanted users to. You know, when looking for a a tool, like if I say, okay, I'm looking for the top applicant tracking systems, I did not get a good answer just from NSG itself. Like what it gave me was just a list of tools saying, hey, these are the best applicant tracking systems, I don't know, collected from the web. If I click on it, all it gives me is a logo. So I can't even click through that. And then there were some articles on the side which could serve as useful, of course, but then I, as a user who's looking for such a tool, was still inclined to go down to the organic search to look for something that actually suited what I was looking for. So it was great that I was given options, but it does not satisfy me. Um, how do I think, yeah, this is going to affect us or how are we going to incorporate it? It. Tricky to say. I think the, I think it was the, um, you know, in relation to the perspective side of things, where they're going to start making use of people's perspective, either from forums or you know, community sites, Twitter, LinkedIn, Reddit, etc. I think that's actually pretty great, and kind of ties into what we spoke about before, and also what Google has always wanted to do, which is to serve people valuable content. You know, people want to hear firsthand from the people who have experienced it. And so to me, that actually makes sense. And that's actually something I'm excited about. Um, how it affects us in that aspect, I would say, is really start utilizing yeah, the voice of people, either people who are experts in the field or people who I don't know, just share opinions in general to get that, let's say, perspective or feedback out there. Because, you know, as we've discussed, a lot of the things that we see now on the SERPs are very generic. So it makes sense that people are searching for, yeah, the voice of other people. And this could change for us in terms of seeing, yeah, how, you know, what channels do we want to work on? How do we want to showcase this information? Is it time to have like an internal subject matter expert who is the face of these things where you work on more video content um, using images, perhaps, because I've also seen a lot of those come up. And so I believe that there might be some adapting to do, even though the core of it all is something that we have already started working on, you know, things like video and stuff, (laughs) webinars. It's not something new. It's just thinking differently about how can you repurpose and redistribute it and what additional channels should you be looking at to, to serve that uh, knowledge. It's still in the early stages, naturally. So like I said, it's hard. Maybe what I'm saying is completely different uh, than what's going to happen. Maybe Google will fix up SGE. And for all we know, it's going to attack us all. Who knows? But so far, that's where I'm at at the moment. It's not something that I've told the marketing team that we need to completely overhaul on things. So they're aware that this is happening. Here are some of the observations. We're going to continue observing. We're going to continue testing. And then we will just see. I mean, we don't have any information from Google on what exactly is going to be done. They probably don't either because they're still experimenting. And so, yeah, I think it's good to to observe, to think about how you can adapt, but not necessarily, again, stopping everything that you're doing right now and trying to scramble to get onto SG at this moment.
2: I think that's a great way to, you know, wrap things up and close this this episode. Um, okay. I would like to leave uh, this uh, as a closing message for, for our listeners. The last question I have for you, Tanya, Is, uh, where can people find out more about you and get in touch?
0: Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Tania Miranda. Go to the Recruiting page. You can also find me there and I'll be happy to be in touch with any of you.
2: That was all very insightful and, uh, I look forward to around two sometime in the near future. Um, thank you very much uh, for doing this.
0: Thank you, George.
2: thank you for staying with us until the end before you go i'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode ahs ahs provides you with an all-in-one seo toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis keyword research and technical audits the best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website. See all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for. Take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free
1: another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.